Good afternoon, class. This is a new episode of the podcast, and today we have Tanya Thomas joining us, and she's going to talk a little bit about her background and her work at the Thurgood Marshall Law Library. And so I'm going to turn over to Tanya. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, how you came to law librarianship, and maybe about some of the jobs you've had in the past? Uh, sure. Hi, everyone. Um, I was in law school. And I was probably hell, half year in, one semester in, when I realized I was there and I didn't want to be there. <laughs> um, and I was still young enough that my mother could say, and what? You <laughs> must finish. You like suck it up. You're on scholarship. People are giving you money. You'll figure out a way to make this work for you later, but you have to finish it first. And so because I'm a dutiful daughter, um, and again, still young enough to be impressionable, I stayed and I managed and, and did well, it was fine. Um, but my, so it got through first year um, and then sort of was like, okay, so I've got this law degree, I've been instructed to do with, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up, I'm gonna, once you get through first year, like everything else is mostly doable. Um, and so I got through summer, came back for my second year, and got a part-time job on campus in the library. There you go. And I met two librarians there. One was also in school working on her law degree. She'd already gotten her MLS. And so I started working for her and she was like, so what are you gonna do when you get out? And I was like, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea, but I need to figure something out. And she was like, well, do you wanna practice? And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. And she, you know, she, lots of advice. She said, well, at least summer and see. And so I went through the second year interview process. I, I did half a summer at a law firm. I hated it, absolutely hated it. And then the second half of the summer, I did a study abroad. So I come back year three knowing I've got an answer for her. Like I hated it, I don't wanna practice, this is terrible. And she says, well, um, well, that was just a law firm. You should probably try, you know, try some other, try, try a different environment. So I tried legal aid and it was okay, but I still, didn't feel, didn't feel like a good fit. And she says, well, have you considered librarianship? And I was like, that's a thing. <laughs> Am I standing here? I was like, oh, that's right. You are. Um, so I, um, I, she said, we'll take the advanced legal research class because at my law school, it was not required. It should be required everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I did, I, uh, answered that class. And then she said, you should get a job in a law firm as a library assistant, just to see how you feel about it. And so I was, I follow instructions well, as you guys can tell. Um, I did, I got a little part-time job in a law firm um, in DC and I really liked it. Like I was like, this is kind of cool. I, I, I could get with this. Um, and so finished out law school, graduated, did all the things I needed to. And then I was like, okay, so I need to get a job. And so she says, well, maybe try publishing. Um, see the the other side, you know, the who's creating the who's creating the text that librarians are using. Um, so I ended up in a in a publishing firm for a little for a pub publishing organization for a little while, and it was in tax, which is an area of law I really liked. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a little while, and then she says, "All right, well, it's time it's time to consider library school," and I was like, "Oh, oh okay." <laughs> um, so I applied for library school and while I was applying for library school, I also, I had like three different jobs. I was, I was fully embracing my Jamaican-ness. Um, so I worked for 
I worked through a temp agency so that I could try lots of different libraries. So I ended up at the patent and trademark office. I ended up at a, um, in the, in, in the library, I ended up in MCI WorldCom, which doesn't exist anymore, but telecommunications corporation in their library department, uh, for a little while. And then, um, and then did a few, then sort of like sort of the sort of perfect storm. I'm, I start library school. I get a part-time job in an academic library, an academic law library, and I get a full-time job in a law, in a big law firm library. And it's a reference position. It's like, if you're going to be public services in the front front facing part of a library, it's the best kind of job. They've got a reference desk. I'm there. Um, and so I do that for two and a half years, sort of juggling all three of those things. So it's, perfect kind of experience where I'm getting the academic library side of things. I already have a law degree. I'm getting a law firm experience and an academic library experience. And then once all of that is finished, almost sort of simultaneously with graduation, I end up landing a job as a solo law librarian at a midsize um, boutique law firm library. And I spent oh probably three or four years there and it was a it was such an amazing experience i think that's when we met yes yeah so like why was it spiegel and then i thought well sort of because i can't just do one thing at a time i thought well maybe i should be teaching as well um so i started teaching it was about i was probably about two years two and a half years into my that law firm experience where i decided i i should try to get a job as an uh, an instructor and I ended up teaching in the legal studies program at the University of Maryland. Um, and then, um, then I got married and we were military and we moved and I ended up in Florida and I sort of transitioned out of law libraries into uh, another kind of academic library, but it was, it was still public law and policy. Mm -hmm. So the skills were still really transferable and still really good. Um, and then we moved overseas and all the life things happen. And sort of I transitioned out of like traditional uh, library um, and was almost exclusively teaching legal, in, um, legal research, primarily legal research and legal writing. And then when we came back to the States, um, I ended up at so then I transitioned into a different kind of library. So that a court library, so court government library, and that added to my skill set and knowledge base in terms of how libraries work. And then after that, I ended up here at the University of Maryland, and again, back in an academic library um, setting. And because I had academic library experience, that really was very helpful um, for sort of um, for, for, for showing that I sort of had a well-rounded background. Right, right. That's really interesting. And uh, I'm glad you talked about all the different types of law libraries mm -hmm. that in because as I've learned, many students don't realize how many places law librarians and just librarians in general pop up. Oh, we're everywhere. We're right. everywhere just about every organization that you will end up in and they may not call themselves librarians they may call themselves knowledge managers one of my law one of my law firms i was a knowledge manager um they may call themselves information professionals um but the the skill set the the resource that they bring to the organization is how we organize information how we make information available 
um, how we help you find what you need to do your jobs better. Yeah. And even um, outside of law librarianship, like in the corporate world, all mm-hmm. have oh yeah massive libraries and have oh, like- huge libraries, huge libraries. Corporations have libraries, like literally not-for-profits have libraries. Everyone has an information center because information is what keeps the business running. Right. Um, okay. So can you talk a little bit about what you do at the law school there? Um, as a librarian, and then also talk about each. Um, So I am, I feel like, I feel very fortunate um, in the job that I have now at the law school library, because I get to wear many different hats. I don't have to just, I don't have to do just one thing. I get to do lots of different things. So in a sort of traditional sense, I'm a research librarian. And so that means that when students, faculty, public patron, alumni, whoever come in and they're looking for information and they need help, I'm a research librarian. That's what I do is help you find the information you need. So that's sort of like one hat. Um, And then, and I mean, part of that is, we have a faculty liaison program, so we're assigned to faculty. And I, I feel very fortunate that my faculty are clinicians. Mm-hmm. So the questions that I get are very, very targeted to how can we help our clients, mm-hmm. um, which I like. Um, I, I realize there's a, there's a whole body that is very focused on theory and scholarly literature, but my, my preference is on the practice and the how can we better how can we be better at what we do um so i'm 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 very happy that i end up getting uh i've been assigned to the clinical faculty and by virtue of being assigned to clinical faculty i also get the clinic students who come with questions um and need assistance so that's sort of the research side of things Mm -hmm. um the other side is we have a learning management system here it's called blackboard um you might be aware so I, I manage Blackboard. So I and my assistant, we every question that you send, every request that you send that's Blackboard related, it comes through my email. And so I manage those. I build our classes in Blackboard. And so that's something I manage. I try to train our faculty on how to better use Blackboard. Um, so that's one, that's another aspect of my job. Um, sort of in the vein of talking about training, the second half of my title is instructional technology librarian. So that sort of in, incorporates the training faculty, how to use technology in their pedagogy mm-hmm. and also helping students figure out how they can use technology. Um, so, so those are sort of my three hats. And as part of the instructional piece of things, I also teach. Um, I teach intro to legal research. Um, I teach advanced legal research. And I teach a class called Technology in the Practice of Law. Because if we spend three years talking about the theory of law, <clears throat> but we don't talk about how to actually practice law, because they call it legal practice for a reason, um, you get hard. Like, if you don't know how to do a thing properly, you'll make mistakes, you'll break the rules, albeit inadvertently, it doesn't matter if it's inadvertent or not, you'll get disbarred. 
And so I'm super passionate about this class. I love this class. I think it is, I think every student should be required to take at least one technology class and not just because I teach it. Um, but the focus for my class is very much introducing students to the kinds of uh, technology that they will use in practice. And that runs the gamut. So from, you know, timekeeping, basic, super basic. You've got, if you don't know how to keep time, like if you've never had to do it before, right? like you don't know how to do it. Um, you don't know what resources are of it, what tools, what software you can use for keeping track of time. So I teach students how to keep track of time. They're required to do it for the class. Um, marketing, it's huge. How are you gonna, if you're gonna be a solo practitioner, how are you making money if you can't bring in clients? You've got to figure out marketing and that's and that's a multifaceted kind of thing. It's like, how are you leveraging social media? How are you building your blog? What does your LinkedIn profile look like? You have a website. Is that website accessible? Mm -hmm. um, so all those kinds of things. So in class, we've got a class blog. You're required to write for the class blog. You're required to to do responses to your to your colleagues on the class on your class blog um, for marketing. We go through your LinkedIn profile. Like I give you a sheet and it forces you to think about who you are and what your brand is. Right. What you're selling, right? And you've got to build your LinkedIn profile properly. So that to best sort of to best draw the attention, the kind of attention that you want for building your business. Right. So that's required. Um, a professional development plan. No one's gonna tell you don't know what you don't know. However, people expect you to know how to do, how to use Word, how to use Excel. Those are basic, basic kinds of things. Right. But not use them like it takes you five hours to do something that, that should have taken 15 minutes and then you build the client for the five hours. No, no, that's not going to work. Um, it's just, you know, so in terms of the professional development plan, it's you have to think about being self-directed and being resourceful. And how do I learn all this stuff? How do I stay abreast of these technology kinds of things? How do I evaluate new tools? If like, if I have a problem, how do I know which tool's gonna solve the problem? And if there are 10 products in the pool that's, that could, how do I know how to evaluate them? It's to think about all of those kinds of things. To think about how you will learn, how you will teach yourself once you leave school. Once someone has stopped telling you what you're supposed to study and how you're supposed to study it. Like once you leave, you got to figure it out yourself. And so you have to think about how do you set goals? Mm -hmm. How do you measure whether or not those goals have been achieved? Um, and then learning about the different ways technology will impact um, your litigation, litigation analysis, um, document automation. Like, nope. You've got to figure out what tools are available and how to use those tools and how to teach yourself how to use those tools to document, to, um, to automate various processes within your organization. And so all of that gets covered in my technology and practice class. Um, I don't know if you can tell, I really like that class. I'm excited about the class and I wish, you know, I wish, I wish we offered more of those kinds of opportunities, not just in a technology and practice class, but even a law of technology class. Uh, the law school hasn't taught an e-discovery class since I think it was either 2014 or 2016. Either way, too long. 
Yeah. About too long. E-discovery, if anyone's doing litigation and they don't, they haven't taken an e-discovery class, they're at a disadvantage when they graduate. Yeah. Hands down, at a disadvantage. And so that the class hasn't been taught because, you know, you know, students haven't, student has, students haven't signed up. How do students know that it's important? Right. Like, if someone doesn't say to you, if the faculty that you're looking up to, that you're seeking guidance from, and you're, you know, you're, you're sort of taking your cues from, don't say, yeah, these things are important. You should pay attention to them. How do you know that you should? Right. And so that's, I think that's really important is that, um, is to really help our students figure out where the pieces are, how, and how to balance both the theory and the practice mm -hmm. here in an environment where they're learning. Right. Right. So, yeah. My last question oh, sure. is, um, what's one key piece of advice? You just gave a lot of advice <laughs> for my students who aren't in your class. Hopefully they will take it mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. or they'll talk to other students to just raise awareness of some of these practice issues that they're not being taught in school and how mm -hmm out and learn some of this mm -hmm. like what's one key piece of advice that you would give students who are interested in learning more about practice technology but aren't in your class like what can they do right now to start to build some of this knowledge google legal technology and and, and identify the primary news sources and then track those primary news sources like mm -hmm consistently read the news. And if it means that you sign up and they send you an email digest once a week and you read through the major headlines, but the only way to know what is happening is to actively seek that information out. And I realize everyone's super busy. There are a ton of other things to do, but there are ways to sort of, once you've, um, um, I have a sort of a, a Feedly and so I've identified for various topics, like I have one for instructional design, I have one for legal tech. Um, so there are a couple of different areas that I'm interested in. I want to stay abreast of what's new in the industry on those various topics. I go figure out what those um, those uh, blogs are, what the newspaper news sources are, and then I have them pushed into my Feedly. Yep. And then periodically, I go check. I don't want to get emails because I hate them. Um, but I basically put a, I put a tickler on my calendar to remind me every Friday um, to go check to see if there's anything new. And then I dedicate, a, you know, an hour of time or maybe depending on what my schedule looks like, 30 minutes of time. And I read through. And if things look interesting to me, I have uh, I also have I like taking notes. Like, there's nothing wrong. with Like if you want to take it longhand, go ahead. I just have I have a note, it, I have a notebook basically. And within the notebook, there are several different notes. And for each topic that I am tracking, I make notes to myself, mm -hmm. either someone's name that I think maybe I should contact and sort of get to know them better or a conference that's coming up and I should probably figure out if I can attend that conference. It really is, I'm actively, um, actively developing, actively being a per actively being a professional and continuing to learn because you don't just stop learning once you get out of school. Um, and again, I won't know what's the cutting edge unless I go looking to figure out what it is. Um, people who are actively involved in the industry saying, oh yeah, this is the newest thing that's coming out. You should probably be aware of it. Um, so that's, I think that's the best advice I can give is to be proactive about your professional development. 
and be proactive about learning new things, learning something new, learning um, about either a new thing or meeting a new person, just something um, that's going to uh, improve your professional development, improve you as a professional, improve you in your practice, whatever it be. And every time that shifts, you may need to change those list of sources that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. But you, it should be a continual an active and continual process. You, it doesn't just stop. You know, and I think that that is something when students come to our 1Ls and come to school, I mean, that should be what they hear their first semester is to start actively tracking what interests them, mm -hmm. whether yeah. blogs and news feeds and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be necessarily on technology. No, no, no. Whatever they're interested in. Mm -hmm. So they get in the habit of doing that active. active. But it requires being introspective about, um, about what you want, about the quality of the life that you want to lead. So one of the things when I was at, part of, I think part of why law school didn't really sort of, that while I was in law school, I thought resonate with me was I was learning about the, all the things, all the numbers of hours, like the number of hours that you have to work as opposed to bill. And I was like, I don't know that a law firm's really where I want to be. That's not the quality of life I want to have. Like I, I would things and so if this isn't going to provide me with that that quality of life then what is the alternative mm -hmm. so thinking about that is really important right from the start yep it actually is. even before you come into law school you should, should probably be thinking about that because it may make a difference in terms of what school you decide to go to like are you willing to go to the school that gives you that has the highest prestige but doesn't give you as much money you might be willing to do that if you know i'm going to the big law firm i'm making as much money as i can regardless of how many hours i have to work um or will you maybe go to the smaller school that gives you more money and when you get done you have a degree less debt and so you don't necessarily have to go to the big firm you don't necessarily have to make the hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're not as indebted right so it's like from the start, you're having to think about, well, what do I want my life to look like? Right. <sighs> well, <laughs> we covered a lot in, in this. Uh, I, yeah, it feels, it does feel that way. It's, um, thank you so much for speaking with me and speaking to my students because they're gonna listen to this and I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see what comments they leave about what they've learned from you, which I think is a lot. And I hope, hope that they are thinking about how librarians really are everywhere. And like we mm -hmm. said, here to help you find the thing, do the thing. Mm -hmm. whatever. The thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely there are librarians outside of public libraries. There's a lot of different kinds and we are everywhere. Um, so thank you, Tanya. I'm going to. For having me. I hope that I will see some of your students in my class in the future. I hope so too. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.